Hey, hey guys, what's going on? The Microphone Messiah. Before you listen to this live event or pay-per-view recap, please like and subscribe on all podcast platforms. Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, mainly, or go to our YouTube channel, The Bulletcast. Like, share, subscribe. Do it. Do it now. Do it. Do it now. Hopefully you've done it by now. All right, here you go. Here's your recap of WWE NXT in your house. Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? I'm your host, the Microphone Messiah. Different intro than what I normally do. Thought I'd have to switch it up since NXT was in our houses tonight. And, well, I'm in your eardrums. Yes, yes, I am. Uh, but you know I never do this alone. He's my tag team partner, Brandon Tanguma, the Canadian Destroyer, BT. It's Sunday night. NXT takeovers don't run on Sunday nights. How are you doing? I opened with the In Your House Canadian Stampede theme because that's probably the greatest In Your House of all time. Well, Philip, I'm doing just fine today. Just got done watching NXT in your house is the reason we're here, obviously. But, you know, overall, good show, short show, which makes it that much better. It's not the regular WWE show that goes 20 hours, only two and a half hours. So nice and energized. Absolutely. Brandon has a new microphone, so he'll speak up during the course of of this uh, show so we can uh, so we can hear him clearly to get his thoughts on the six matches that we are going to break down for NXT In Your House. First of all, they brought the set, which I was hoping they did. Uh, Brandon, what, what was it like to see a 90 set in 2020? I was wondering if they were going to bring it back. I very much enjoyed it. Also got Todd Pettengill on the intro. Not only on the intro, we got him selling, pushing the 900 line. They definitely went in hard on the 90s retro feel. We even got... Uh, DX trying to figure out how a PC works. Overall, I mean, as someone who, yes, I was born in the 90s. I didn't, like, you know, live through it. I was a child at the time, so I don't have that much nostalgia for it. And NXT is, well, I guess in the ratings, NXT is a much older already audience, but the crowd that shows up to the shows is a much younger audience. So I don't know exactly if this, you know, was good for the audience that they attract, but I enjoyed it. It didn't go too over the top. It wasn't too corny. Did also like the Ico Pro ad with Adam Cole, baby. Oh, I, I, I kind of popped. I was like, haha, Ico Pro, that's funny. I, I did pop for Hunter and Sean that knowing how to use that uh, that dial-up internet. Here we are, what, 20, 25 years later. I'm still messing with it. You gotta love it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the 25-year anniversary of In Your House. So NXT decided to adopt, adopt the moniker. Um, Shotzi Blackheart, Mia Yim, and Tegan Knox go up against... I want to say Sonya Deville Jr., but she's bigger than her. So, a Sonya Deville doppelganger, uh, Candice LeRae, and Dakota Kai. This I, I, It didn't really hit what I wanted it to hit. And uh, shout out to the you know the uh, Performance Center kids. They tried. They, they really did. They, they were there for some points, but, you know, this would have been so much better with an actual crowd. Uh, I'll, give it, I'll give it a flat B. For Blackheart, you know, because my girl got the win. You know, that's town business, you feel me? Uh, they, I liked how Mia Yim and uh, Candice LeRae, they, they fought off back through the house. So, you know, they were protected in the finish. Uh, Tegan Knox hits the shiningest wizard, uh, a la Gregory Helms. So she does get her comeuppance against Dakota Kai in the opening for NXT TakeOver In Your House. Philip, you also forgot about Code Orange. 
doing the opening of the show, I thought it was a fantastic. I know you might might not be the biggest Code Orange fan, but as someone who's listened to their music, mainly because NXT has sponsored them and Code Orange has been uh, done various theme songs for NXT takeovers, I quite enjoyed it. So, Philip, I want to know your thoughts on what did you think of Code Orange starting off NXT after Todd Pettengale, of course, did the intro. Dude, bro, I, I didn't even know who that was. I saw one guy look like Damian Priest. That might have been Damian Priest. I don't know. The cameras were moving so fast. Uh, it was it was okay, man. It kind of reminded me of uh, Jacob, uh, Jacob Shaw from the band Painless. He does he did the Bullet Cast theme song, what we use, the Red Alert theme. So it did kind of remind me of that. And I've listened to some of Jacob's stuff, and I'm like, okay, this is decent, it's cool. So um, since it reminds me of that, I'll, I'll give it a thumbs up. All right, back to the match itself. I thought I was kind of. I didn't think that this should have been the opener. I thought maybe it could have gone with Finn Balor and Damon Priest as the opener. I thought that this six-woman tag match maybe could have been the one you put in the middle that in case some matches go long, they go short, you can kind of add them, subtract some matches. Because this match honestly could have been on just any regular NXT card. The match itself, the beginning few uh, few minutes was okay. I thought it did pick up a, a substantial bit at the end. Uh, you know, you get Candice LeRae kind of getting canceled out with Mia Yim at the end. Dakota Kai taking the pin. Tegan Knox getting the win here. So hopefully this feud finally over is finally over. I was kind of equating it to the uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano feud that this is kind of the female version because it seems like this feud just goes on forever and they just never end up, you know, they're always fighting each other and they can't settle their differences no matter how many matches they have. Hashtag fight forever. No. Yes. No, we're not fighting forever. Sure, why not? I'll give this one a solid B plus. Okay. I, w- I was a little bored at the beginning, but I did think it picked up a lot late. Absolutely, absolutely. I dig it, man. All right, next up, the Prince Finn Balor goes up against Damian Priest, the former Punishment Martinez. Uh, could we say Priest took bump of the night? I know, I know, Johnny took a hell of a one, but my man Priest just went spine first, spine on the pine on those steel steps when he tried to throw uh Balor out to the ring floor. Uh, this was hard hitting. They they did a uh, they they did decent work. Uh Priest really showing his agility, you know, hopping over the top rope and of course the uh big avalanche flatliner that he hit. But all in all, a coup de gras to the back of uh Damian Priest's head, then a regular coup de gras to the sternum. One, two, three, the prince, the former NXT champion, gets the job done in his house. I quite enjoyed this match. I thought possibly, you know what? I'll say it. I thought this was my favorite match of the night. It only goes about 13 minutes. I'll agree with you. I'll agree with you. Absolutely. I thought it maybe went a little bit longer just because I thought the action was just so good. Overall, I mean, you know, good action back and forth. This feud wasn't like super hot. They didn't do too much to really, you know, give us a reason to really get behind Finn. Like obviously Damian Priest was the one who attacked Finn Balor, but they haven't, Finn hasn't really been on TV all that much the past few weeks, so it couldn't really, you know, get to that next level. Overall, I thought the match, the work in the ring was very solid. I thought that it was really, really hard hitting. As you said, Damian Priest taking that bump on the outside from the ring apron to the uh, steel steps, and Finn Balor having to hit two coup de gras back to back really cements that Damian Priest is a lot to handle. You know, some might say, oh, he got buried because Finn Balor went super strong over him, but I would have to disagree and think that this actually helps Damian Priest because it makes Finn Balor it makes Finn Balor have to, you know, go that extra step. He doesn't think that he has that he could win with just one. He has to do another one to make sure he really puts away Damian Priest. Absolutely. You know, shout out Priest. I think he uh even in defeat uh, he had a nice showing and he is moving up in the ladder 
I do believe in the NXT rankings. Maybe he'll uh, have an opportunity at the next match that we're going to talk about because uh, it's for the NXT North American Championship. Oh, by the way, what, what grade are we giving uh, Priest and uh, Balor? I'll, 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 give it a, I'll give it a nice B+, plus, man. As I said, I thought this was my favorite match of the show. I thought this was the best match of the show. I will give it a solid A+. Minus. Thought it was really good. Maybe could have added a little bit more, but I've been one to say that with this, uh, I would since there was technically a crowd, but I'll still call it the no crowd era of wrestling. I would say that you know if you added a little bit more time, maybe they could have been a little bit better, but then also maybe it could have been a little bit worse because they might have been overstaying their welcome. So I'll give it an A minus. All right, absolutely. All right, next up, and this oh god, this was good. I haven't watched NXT. Uh, on, on a weekly basis in quite some time, but th th this was good. Just seeing the video package, because WWE's video packages are always extraordinary, and I didn't realize Johnny Gargano was uh, using keys now in his matches, and then, like, he sees Doc Hendricks on the, on the wall in his house. He literally uses his quote-unquote key to success that he's uh, used against Keith Lee before, and locks the house door of the In Your House set because NXT is the house that he helped build. It was subtle, but it was brilliant. I loved it. I loved it. And the bump that he took, Brandon predicted this when they first put up those uh, plexiglass barriers, kind of like a hockey rink, that somebody was going through one. And Johnny, he got pounced to the ounce through that thing there, boy. You know what? It was hard hitting. There were near falls. I, a minus. A minus just for the the storytelling that was in this match. I, I said I loved Balor Priest more for the in ring aspect, but just the storytelling and the subtleness of stuff like that. I'm gonna give this an A minus. Might be my highest grade for a uh, match on this card. I think I'll agree with you. I think I'll also give this one an A minus. Still would say that I like Finn and Priest a little bit more. There was definitely a good story going into this. Maybe the exact angles and stuff they did during NXT wasn't the best. I wasn't the biggest fan of the Mia Yim and Keith Lee uh, you know, mockery of what Johnny and Candice was doing. But overall, I kind of expected to this, to this be one of the, if not the best, worked matches of the show. And I think that they definitely delivered here. Johnny Gargano being the undersized heel and Keith Lee kind of being the oversized babyface, there is a little bit of a disadvantage in this match. But I definitely think they did uh, mesh well together. Johnny, I mean, obviously he cheated at the end, but for the most part it was just a very well-worked, you know, back-and-forth match. The women did get involved at the end, but it didn't really play into the finish. I thought it was a good false finish with uh, Johnny bringing the key back out of his tights, which you knew that key was going to bring that that thing was going to come back eventually. But Keith Lee kicks out. They go back and forth for you know maybe two three more minutes, and then Keith Lee gets the win. Very enjoyable match, and also shout out to Keith Lee with the fantastic ring attire. Oh, shout out, shout out to my homie Keith. All right, next up we got to we got to talk about my boy, the Velvet Scene Dream. He goes up against Adam Cole, baby, in his 372nd day as NXT champion. He won it last year. Was it June 1st or 2nd at a takeover that should have happened in the Bay Area, but you goddamn Saudis. Anyway, it was a backlot brawl. The first time we've had a backlot brawl in WWE in, what, 24 years? But the first time we've ever had it in NXT history. Kyle, uh, not Kyle O'Reilly, Roddy Strong, Bobby Fish make a run in. Adam Cole goes through a windshield. Uh, Dexter Loomis, the former Samuel Shaw from Impact. 
I didn't know he was feuding with Roddy Strong, and I kind of liked that. I did. You know, locking guys in trunks and being a creepy stalker. That's basically what his gimmick was in Impact and driving away with those bodies. I, I, I'm getting, getting, his, getting his OJ on. I don't know, but I liked it. I really, really did. All in all, Adam Cole, baby, is still the NXT champion. He's adopt he's adopting uh traits from his girlfriend. He's be- she's a role model and he's become a role model champion in NXT. Sorry for the dream. So for the remainder of Adam Cole's NXT championship run, the Velveteen Dream can no longer challenge for the title. I wasn't the biggest fan of this match. I feel as though they could have just had a regular run of the mill, you know, hardcore style match and it could have been just as good maybe even a little bit better i didn't like the lighting uh you know the back a lot of brawl was kind of dark you had the headlights kind of you know being overblown it was kind of hard to see at times and i kind of thought that obviously dexter loomis is going to get involved the other members of undisputed era were going to get involved and they kind of canceled each other out the i mean the work itself was fine i just i just wasn't the biggest fan of it because it was just I feel like they can just do so much better if it was like a regular standard hardcore match in the ring you don't have to worry about the gimmicks and they didn't really go too over the top I was thinking that maybe it was going to be kind of you know the original backlog brawl where it was going to be kind of kooky maybe not you know funny per se but there was going to be kind of a lot of over the top antics and they didn't really lean on that it was definitely more a hard hitting uh you know backlot street fight and that aspect I think you know worked at times but I just think it didn't really click overall. If you're going to, you know, compare it to all the other quote unquote, you know, pre-taped cinematic matches we've had thus far, I think I would probably say this is my least favorite out of all the ones in WWE. Well, I think I put it above the Money in the Bank match. I didn't really like the Money in the Bank match at all. So, you know, those two are kind of at the bottom. And I think all the other ones were, you know, I, I enjoyed all the other ones with the Boneyard match still being the top tier of these cinematic matches. Oh, well, that kind of takes us into a fan mail question, Jack of all trades. After the backlot brawl, guys, how do you rank the WWE cinematic matches? Um, I go Firefly Funhouse, um, what is it, the Boneyard, Cole and Dream in the backlot, and then the Money in the Bank. Now, I mean, Brandon, how do you rank them? As I said, I thought the... Uh boneyard match i thought was the best just because it was you know a fight yes there was some kooky aspects to it but i think it definitely worked and it was the first one so that always helps i really enjoy the firefly funhouse i know that can be kind of a uh, polarizing topic i thought that they told a really good story even though maybe some of the antics kind of got lost on some people and then i think there's a pretty substantial drop off if you're going to put the stamp stadium stampede match i put it right in there but kind of a little bit behind those first two matches and then all you know if we're gonna i mean we're gonna give this match a grade i'd probably give this like a c so i mean if i give this a c i don't even remember what i gave the money in the bank match but maybe like a c minus so you know money in the bank match being the worst and then this match being a little bit better just because there was a lot more just standard wrestling not antics and trying to be funny which nxt doesn't do funny all that often but when they do it kind of hits and but dexter loomis was trying to draw on this past weekend that definitely did not hit yeah um going with the backlot brawl theme i thought dream was gonna get disclothed and have lingerie on like gold dust did back in the day um i did pop when marl said i thought he was gonna show up in a little red corvette kind of still playing with the prince theme uh i i the one thing i did like how all the cars were around the ring uh it's kind of like a drive-in movie I was like, oh, okay. 
You know, WWE is this is going doing these cinematic matches. This is going to be a cinematic experience. A drive-in, a movie is a cinematic experience. Ah, I see what you did there. I like, I liked that. But all in all, I will give this a C, not a, not a minus, not a plus, just a regular C. It was okay. If I could have gotten like at least at least two or three minutes of just like technical wrestling, that would have been cool. And then a little bit more hard-hitting stuff. Uh, didn't go as long as I thought it would. Panama Sunrise onto the plate of chairs, the pile of chairs. Feeling like I'm watching ECW Hardcore Heaven '97. But all in all, Adam Cole successful. Congratulations to the champ. Anything else to say about that? Maybe drive-in wrestling is the future during this current pandemic, Philip. I mean, I don't know. I'm just having an idea thrown out there. Oh yeah, and then you uh you you dial up and you you're uh, you, you can chant or something. I don't know. I mean, I show up, take the top off the Jeep, have a good time. I I think that sounds like fun. Go drive on down to the Alameda County Fairgrounds, have a match there. APW. Yeah, you I'm know just give me some ideas. That Brett. This is why he's here, ladies and gentlemen. This is why this man is on this show. For ideas like that. Einstein who? Stephen Hawking who? Neil deGrasse Tyson who? That's why I keep this man. Shout out to the homie, Brandon. All right, ladies. It's the new microphone. I got a clear voice and a clear head right now. Hey, you feel me? All right, the psycho killer takes on the killer of crosses. See what I did there? Tommaso Ciampa versus Karrion Cross. I saw the entrance finally. I loved it. Scarlet Bordeaux, you still look fantastic, baby girl. All in all, Killer Cross, or Karrion Cross, I'm sorry. I'm so used to calling him that. He takes out the biggest dog in NXT. I, I, I was a fan. I was a fan. How do you solidify being the new threat in NXT? You take out the guy that was already the biggest threat that's been the NXT champion. The guy that's the daddy of the home. I was a fan of it. It was quick. You know, uh, Tommaso got his stuff in, but all in all, Karrion Cross. What, what's his finish called? I don't exactly know. I know he hit a F5. Shout out Brock Lesnar. I'm looking at the report here, and it says a cross jacket, which was a kind of you know cross face chicken wing type submission. A la, a la Bob Backlund. Oh, man, I'm give this a B. It was solid. It was solid ish. I pretty much thought that this was what the match was going to be. Not a squash per se, but a very dominant win for Karrion Cross, As you said, Tommaso Ciampa gets a little bit of offense in, hits his draping DDT for somewhat of a believable near fall. The match itself goes a little bit over six minutes, but I think it, you know, it didn't feel short. It didn't feel too long to where it felt like, you know, Karrion Cross really had to, you know, break a sweat to beat Ciampa. And I don't think Ciampa is buried by any means during this match i mean champa coming off of that brutal match with johnny gargano uh, maybe you can tell a story after the fact maybe champa trying to find himself he comes back from the injury doesn't get the job done then he loses to champa he loses to gargano then he loses to carry and cross i don't think you're gonna do another match between these two i was thinking maybe you can go move cross up to the north american title scene maybe they do a mixed match tag with uh you know mia yim uh, Keith Lee, Gargano, and LeRae, but I'm really enjoying what Karrion Cross is doing. Yes, he's not cutting those you know five minute long promos and everything like that, but I think he definitely comes across. He has a good uh, what you call it. I like the way he carries himself, and with Adam Cole being a heel, maybe he turns babyface later on down the line. But just with Cross being so much bigger than a lot of the other wrestlers on the roster, I think he's definitely a, a good fit for NXT at the moment. I don't know if you noticed, but you said Karrion Cross comes across. What does he come across? Crisscross applesauce. Oh, okay. 
I thought you were about to go crisscross. Jump, jump. I want to see you. Nobody's a fan of 90s hip hop. All right. All right, ladies. Shout out Bliss Cross, Applesauce, RIP, their tag team title reigns. I am so sad right now. Uh, we will talk about that on the regular episode of the Bullet Cast. I have a lot of things that I'm sad about on uh, SmackDown and outraged about. By the way, happy birthday to Kayla Braxton, baby girl. Don't worry about the slime. You still look good. You feel me? It was the main event of NXT TakeOver in your house. Rhea Ripley versus the... What's her what's her nickname? Io Shirai? The, what, the, the Assassin of the Sky? Something like that? Something of the Sky. The Empress? No, that's Kyrie Saints, the Empress or something. Oscar's that's Asuka. Asuka's the Empress... Kyrie is the pirate, and Io Shirai flies through the sky or something. Yes. They they take on the woman who had her 66th televised championship match in WWE. She is the daughter of the Hall of Famer. Go check out Ric Flair's 24 leading up to his WrestleMania 24 match in 2008. It's on the network right now, but already it's great. Charlotte Flair defends and unsuccessfully retains... The NXT Women's title. Io Shirai gets the job done. Dan, T- he wrote in Io, 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 Io. Jack of all trades wrote in, by God Shirai, by God Shirai, by God Shirai. Japanese women are, are ruling the game right now. Io Shirai is the NXT Women's Champion. Uh, Hikaru Shida is the AEW Women's Champion. And Oscar is the Raw Women's Champion. Something, something in that in that Joshi water, you feel me? Very excited for Io Shirai to win it. The match itself, I thought it was good. I think it was probably, you know, a little bit behind the North American title match in that Finn and Damien Priest match. I felt as though, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of triple threat matches. I feel as though they're definitely overused, especially in the NXT circle where I think they use too many multi-person matches. And with this one, I mean, obviously uh, Charlotte is the heel in the situation. Rhea is the babyface, but she's been off of television for a little bit. Io is supposed to be a heel but she was just so over that she's kind of a baby face now and i just thought the story wasn't culminate you know it wasn't the right time to really culminate for a championship win for either Rhea or eo but i mean i don't know if there's anything backstage maybe charlotte isn't going to be on nxt anymore so that's why they took it off of her but i'm excited to see what they do with eo i think you could go the singles route with either Rhea or charlotte i hope hopefully she's not just a transitional champion i think eo could definitely be a good uh, really good babyface champion going on for NXT. Going back to the Karrion Cross Tom Ostrowski match, did not give a grade for that. I think I'm going to give it a B plus. Might have been short, but I definitely think they got the job done. Overall, this match, I think I'll give it a B. It wasn't fantastic. I think the Rhea Charlotte match at WrestleMania definitely was better. I think they definitely worked hard. There wasn't really like a crescendo. I thought. I think that also was the thing for the backlog brawl that i didn't really feel like there was a nice crescendo to end the match on this one kind of came out of nowhere and it also was kind of a finish that you could see coming with charlotte seemingly getting the vic not like seemingly in terms of like you know Rhea tapping out or anything but charlotte gonna get the win eo comes out of nowhere hits the moonsault very similar to the triple threat match we saw with that terrible finish with drake maverick jake atlas and kushida but at least this one wasn't as convoluted as this one Mm. Mm. After several near falls, the fight spills to the ring towards the stage. Shirai climbs off on the top of the roof and does a huge cross body. Uh, Charlotte brought out a kendo stick. I see Bleacher Report gave this an A+. Plus. Mm. Eh, I'll give it a B-. minus. It didn't, it, didn't, it didn't hit that upper echelon. It didn't hit the crescendo even though there was a kendo. 
uh, for me. So yeah, we'll, we'll give it a we'll give it a B minus. Yeah, individually, I've seen much better matches from all three of these women, and not saying that you know it was a bad match by any means, but I just feel as though the story and everything in the match itself, it just didn't feel like you know that next level to really take it to that B plus A range. Maybe they can you know turn something up. Hopefully, they go on with a singles match. I don't know if you want to do Io and Ripley. They've kind of done that. Maybe you do a you know, you get another woman in there. Dakota Kai did just lose, so I don't know if he can go that route. On the heel side, it's maybe you go Candice. I mean, Candice LeRae didn't get the didn't lose. You could go that route with Candice and Io kind of both being undersized. You don't have to worry about Candice being such a small heel, just like Johnny. But who knows where the women's division goes now for NXT? Yeah, you know what? I, you know what I think you do since jo- uh, Johnny lost to Keith. You have a no more contendership match between uh, Io, not Io, she's the champion, Jesus. Between Mia, Mia Yim, and uh, Candice LeRae. And uh, Candice gets one up on Mia, and then she goes and challenges Io for the title. I think that's perfectly fine, you know? Out of That that way, out of the two couples, one uh, got the job done and the other one didn't on both sides. And the fact that Mia Yim has a has a, uh, a move called Soul Food, I kind of popped for that, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I could see maybe EO be a transitional champion. I hope not. I'm really high on EO, and I think she can do a lot for the women's division. I could see maybe this being a transition into Candice, just because I know you know NXT likes having the, that heel champion and really crescendoing with the babyface, getting that victory. You know, Rhea, I think, obviously is the top tier, you know, the... The person that NXT definitely wants to build around, maybe Rhea Ripley gets called up to the main roster, and that's why she's not really getting the title at this point. I mean, at the end of the year, 2019, when life was good, 2019, you know, 2019 might have been a crap year, but 2020 is blowing it out of the water at this point. Rhea Ripley definitely has kind of gone all downhill from here in a kayfabe terms. Absolutely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have had it. It's done. NXT TakeOver In Your House 2020. Brandon, what's your overall grade for the show? Overall, quite enjoyed it. Two and a half hours. You know, re- two matches I really enjoyed. As I said, Keith Lee, Johnny Gargano, Finn Balor, Damian Priest. There was not a bad match on the card. Yes, I might have been a little dismissive of the backlot brawl. Overall, I will give uh, TakeOver In Your House Maybe grading a little bit on the curve because of the environment. I'll give it a a B plus, you know, eighty seven percent. Still think it's on the weaker side of takeover shows, but takeover is by far and away, you know, the most consistent show that WWE or any wrestling promotion really puts on. And when you're really trying to decipher what the the ranking is for these takeover shows, it's really hard because everyone is a great show. This one is a, a good show, uh, but I just didn't think there was that one special match that really put in that upper echelon of takeover. Absolutely. I'll I'll go like an 83 or an 84%. Not not high, not kind of kind of somewhat in the middle on the lower end. Uh but you know maybe maybe re- people will hear this and they'll take up your drive-through wrestling idea. You know, I'm just I'm just saying, you never know. Honest to god, you you never know, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think that's going to wrap it up for us here. Uh, go on the WWE Network and watch uh, the Nexus debut. That was 10 years ago today. Shout out to uh, Michael Tarver and David Otunga. They liked our post. Now they're friends of the show. That's just how it happens here. Uh, we're coming to you on Thursday 
with our regular episode of the Bullet Cast. We still have to do that bonus top 10 wrestlers thing. Uh, we'll probably do it Wednesday or Monday, depending on how we feel. All right, ladies and gentlemen, NXT TakeOver in your house. It happened. We're done. Stay clean. Stay strong. Stay safe. Stay quarantined. This has been the Bullet Cast. Thank you for listening.